John chapter 10, and we'll be looking at verses 9 through 18 in John chapter 10. I am the good, uh, I am the door by, by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Excuse me. He shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10. The, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have that are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for the reading of the Scriptures this afternoon, and for this wonderful passage concerning Jesus himself being described in this parable as the door wherein the sheep may enter and may leave and go out into pasture. And Father, we thank you that he is truly the good shepherd of the sheep in every respect. And we thank you, Father, that you have given him, that he might be known as the one who is our true sacrifice for sin unto salvation, and that our righteousness alone is in Christ. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have come to a passage, uh, of course, this afternoon, which is most familiar to us. And uh, as someone has said, it is uh, so simple in some ways that it, it could be taught by any Sunday school teacher. And yet, it is so um, wonderful and magnificent in its divine perspective that it fills theological books. Uh, because of the nature of what is being said here concerning Christ. And we ought to be so thankful that the scripture offers such dimension to both student and theology teacher as well, that the word of God it can be seen uh, equally from both perspectives. From the divine perspective, the Sunday school teacher looks at the passage and can clearly show that Jesus is the door whereby one enters into salvation. And the theology professor can dazzle the young pastor in his class and tell him of the divine perspective of how Christ left heaven's glory and the incarnate became a real man 
and that he was sent to bear the sins of the world, that his own blood became the offering and sacrifice for our sins, and that our righteousness alone is in Christ. How wonderful that we have such um, dimension in the scripture. Three areas we want to look at this afternoon concerning this subject of one fold and one shepherd. Jesus is the door. And uh, the idea of a door, of course, is something that can be opened that some may enter. And it can be closed that some may not. But it is also a sense of a gateway or a gate of entry and of leaving and of finding pasture for the sheep. And how that the, um, the metaphor or the parable of the sheep and the shepherd is one which was, was so keen to the agricultural and cultural period in which Jesus lived that it immediately connected with every individual who ever went out into the pasture to see the shepherd and the sheep and to know of what they did. And how that the Messiah of God came to be such a loving shepherd. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even David in the Old Testament uh, did speak so most poetically concerning the Lord being the shepherd of the sheep. Uh, so the doorway uh, of eternal life and the door of the sheepfold is Christ himself. Secondly, he says, I am the good shepherd. Uh, the good shepherd, of course, uh, cares for the sheep, as opposed to a shepherd that is not so good. We might say a, a paid shepherd. If one is paid to do a job, you, may, you might take it seriously, but would you actually give your life to keep your job? Or if you was in great danger and there was uh, uh, some wolf coming, uh, what would you do? Would you uh, run? Uh, would the hireling, would the, the paid shepherd run away uh, for his, to save his own life and uh, at the expense of the sheep? Well, the good shepherd here in this parable does not run away, but rather he gives his life for the sheep. And how wonderfully Christ has given his life for us. And he is the good shepherd of the sheep. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. And so it is that uh, we find that uh, the shepherd, the good shepherd, is willing to lay down his life. Well, we know that David in the Old Testament, for instance, was a shepherd boy. And uh, he protected the sheep even to the cost of his own life, if necessary, against the lion and the bear. Uh, but there were other shepherds, many other shepherds, and they also loved their sheep and cared for their sheep, but not like the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we find that in Christ, he is known as the Son of God. He is the one who came from the eternal glory uh, be, beside the very throne of God, yet that he came down, the incarnate of God, not just another man, but God himself incarnate in human flesh. And God uh, humbles himself to give up his own son that he might be the savior of the sheep. And uh, so this, uh, this parable um, opens up, if you will, this wonderful and uh, magnificent story of the Lord Jesus Christ and how that he is truly not only the point of entry by which one finds eternal life, 
but he is also the one who is known as the the good shepherd of the sheep who cares for his sheep in so much that he is willing to give his life for the sheep. Having said that, let's look at this passage a little more closely here and see some of the wonderful things that are being said concerning the Lord Jesus Christ as the good shepherd of the sheep. And it begins by saying in verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So uh, the simplicity of the passage simply lays it out saying uh, that Jesus is the door. Now the uh, kind of the, the parable has changed a little bit from the sheepfold, now they are out into the pasture and into this somewhat of an enclosure where the, the shepherd becomes the doorway of the sheep that they might enter or they might leave to find pasture. And so it is the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is, uh, is with us in, in every occasion of life, in every uh, walk of life, in every circumstance and aspect of our of our living uh, we find Christ is there um, we may think of Christ as that savior uh, yes but uh, he also is one who stays with us and shepherds us as well uh, he saves us but then he shepherds us and uh, as a as a good shepherd should take care uh, we find that Jesus then developed the shepherd figure uh, in this manner it says, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out. And so uh, we find that the parable kind of has a different dimension to it. Not just salvation, but we go in and we come out through this door of this, of the, which has been provided for us. The, the Lord Jesus Christ being our door of um, blessing of eternal life, our door of abundant uh, benefit and uh, of protecting graces and of mercies which are demonstrated toward us. And so um, as we find that the shepherd's flock has been, uh, has been now set out into the pasture, he takes them uh, in this sense uh, and uh, we find near the pasture is this enclosure for the sheep and the shepherd takes his place in the doorway or entrance which functions as a door or a gate. Um, so we find that the sheep have to go out into the pasture eventually. They can't stay in the little enclosure all the time. They have to go out. And so as much as the, the shepherd would care for his sheep, he must let them out into the pasture, but that of course puts them in danger. They could be in, in jeopardy of being overcome by some wild animal or, or something if they're not carefully watched over. Um, and says, I am the door by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And so we enter into the door, which is Christ, and we find as we enter into the door, which is Christ, he not only saves us and preserves us and keeps us, but we find that we go in and out through him as well. And as I said, um, the sh in the pastoral sense of this, 
parable, we find the sheep have need for pasture. And they are to go out and find pasture. And uh, we find that as they go out and find pasture, uh, the, the sheep are under the, under the watchful eye of the shepherd. They're under, under the watchful eye of the shepherd. And so they can, they can retreat to safety if necessary. Um, have you ever been in a situation where you felt as though you needed to retreat for safety into the safety and protecting graces of our Lord and, Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? You see, we, we, we sometimes find ourselves feeling vulnerable to the world around us and to the things that would cause us to be uh, in jeopardy. Uh, concerning our life, our spiritual life, and our walk with God. And uh, we have to retreat to be with Him. Some have suggested the idea of going in and out may be that we go in that we might worship and we come out that we might serve. And um, I know I've, I guess I have seen it over the top of a church somewhere that, that, we, that you can go into the church to worship, but when you come out, you, you serve. When you come out of the building, you're, you're, you're now in the service of, of the Lord when you come out of the building. And so we find that the, uh, the shepherd and the sheep have this close and intimate relationship. So the spiritual meaning is that Jesus is the only gate by which people can enter into God's provision for them. So Jesus is the door. We enter into the door that we might find our salvation. We go out through Christ that we may find that he continues to abide with us in his graces and in, in his provision for the sheep. And so um, uh, we find that uh, the situation here is one quite fluid that is, it ever changes, but Jesus remains the constant uh, element in our life. Now in verse 10 he says, the, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And uh, so the, the thief is described in um, a very graphic way to steal, to kill, to destroy. Uh, none of those benefits seem to be of any value to us um, because we find that the, the thief is um, not in favor of blessing the sheep but rather in plundering the sheep. He says, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. As we find in many of the Psalms, there is a contrasting element to the Psalms, which are given often. And so here we find that there is a contrasting view between the thief, which uh, has no particular benefit to the sheep. Rather, it, he is very selfish, uh, and he wants to, to kill, he wants to steal, he wants to destroy. But Jesus says of himself, and he's, another uh, use of the word of the word phrase, "I am," 
uh, referring, referring no doubt to his, his deity as uh, the, the Son of God. He says, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. And so the Lord Jesus is that, that one who has come from God the Father. He has come that he might give us life, uh, eternal life. And that he has come that he might give life more abundantly, with greater blessing and greater provision of things eternal than we had ever known before. And these are the blessings, of course, that he does give to those who, uh, who come to him. Uh, he gives us such grace and such mercy that we find in him all that we need. Of course, the, the thief we might describe here as a, a false shepherd. He is not the true shepherd. He is a, he is a pseudo shepherd. Uh, and uh, you might even see him as uh, somewhat of a wolf because uh, he, that terminology is also described here a bit later um, that uh, the wolf in among the sheep well, so the thief comes not but for to steal and to destroy and to kill, or kill and destroy. In, in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So um, now we see not only Jesus as the door of entry and the door wherein we can go in and out that we might find pasture, that we might enjoy the blessings that God gives, but he comes out and says that he is the good shepherd, and that the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The good shepherd. Well, um, you might cite uh, a shepherd in the Old Testament, such as David or uh, Jacob, and his various uh, herds, which he uh, had acquired from Laban, uh, in his waiting for wives of Rachel and Leah. Uh, and there were many shepherds in the Old Testament. Of course, uh, when, um, when we find that Israel was in bondage to Egypt, uh, they were in the land of Goshen because they were shepherds. And the shepherds were despised by the Egyptians. Um, so they were these uh, lonely shepherds with these smelly sheep that uh, they took care of. Uh, and uh, it is a very pastoral type of scene, kind of a homely scene, as you might think, of shepherds. And, and uh, if you've ever been around those kinds of animals, you know they do have a strong odor about them. And so they um, are, are a very lonely sort, we, we might say. But Jesus always gravitated to the sinners and the publicans and those who were in greatest need, uh, did he not? And we find so in Christ that he is such a good shepherd that he isn't above caring for the smelly and sinful sheep uh, who trouble and burden the world. Uh, we find that we are like sheep. We are full of those odors of sinfulness and of those uh, characteristics of sheep and that the Lord loves us anyway. Um, 
as opposed to the uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the rulers of the day who thought themselves above the publicans and the sinners, who would have little to do with them because they felt that they were just too much to bear, and they so good and so righteous. But Jesus found himself among them, among those sheep who needed him most. And so what does that mean to us? We should remember that if Jesus ministered to the lonely of this, of this world, shouldn't we also have greater concern for those who are lonely? For those who do not consider themselves so righteous that they are not in need of being saved, not in need of a shepherd to guide them and to direct them. And so we, we find that our, really our greatest opportunity to minister are, are among people of greatest need. Um, and we should go to them in any way that the Lord might lead us and direct us and to seek to minister to them. We should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, like the scripture says, but that we should remember that we are to be like the Lord Jesus in ministering to those who are in greatest need. Well, so here is the Lord Jesus. He is the good shepherd of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So the good shepherd isn't afraid to give his life for the sheep. David was a good shepherd in his day. He protected his sheep. Jacob was a good shepherd and protected his sheep. Um, and of course, um, the elevated view here is that Christ is so much better than even the best of shepherds that he, being the very Son of God, humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross, Philippians chapter 2. And so we find the Lord Jesus being such a good shepherd to us that we realize that in him is all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He is that kind of a shepherd to us. He is the shepherd as much as is spoken of in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we find as the Lord Jehovah gave the Lord Jesus Christ his entry point into the world, that he became that incarnate of God to be the good shepherd to each and every one of us. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In verse 12, he goes on to the idea of the hireling here. In contrast to the good shepherd who gives his life willingly for the sheep, the hireling does not do so. Uh, kind of like, uh, in a sense, you know, it's a different view of the thief. The thief comes not but for to and to kill and destroy. But, and the hireling, uh, though he isn't pictured quite as graphically in the sense as a thief, uh, the hireling is nothing but a paid employee. 
And uh, so he, the harling, he says here, uh, but he that is an harling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not. Whose own the sheep are not. So now we have, a, have another view here. The harling, the paid shepherd, does not own the sheep. As opposed to Jesus, who is the good shepherd, who does own the sheep. Remember, he owns them because... He has called them unto himself. He owns them because he has given his own lifeblood for them. He owns them because he sacrifices himself for them. And has every interest in their benefit, in their true benefit. But the hireling is not so. The hireling um, is not the shepherd. He does not own the sheep. Um, whose own the sheep are not. And what does the hireling do? He seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And so, it's almost like uh, he doesn't hesitate, the hireling just flees. He just runs away. And uh, uh, probably you and I haven't had any experience with such a thing as a, as a wolf among the sheep. Um, Maybe you've seen pictures of wolves and how that they run in packs and, and sometimes there is a lone wolf and they're out there in the woods or they're in the field or something and maybe there is a, some animal that is nearby that they're trying to get close to and you see them kind of working their way around in different places, maybe behind some trees or behind a rock or two or down in a ravine and they keep running this way and that way and they're looking for a point to pounce upon the sheep in this particular case. Well here it's almost like the, the, the harling sees the wolf but he doesn't stay with the sheep. Uh, he, he knows the sheep are in danger, but at the same time he's more concerned about his own life than he is the life of the sheep. And that seems to be the picture here that he's, he's giving here. Um, he seeth, um, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. Well, of course, the, the wolf can't catch them all at once, you know. He has to go for one. Maybe it's the weakest one. Maybe it's the one out on the edge of the flock. Uh, maybe it's that one which is straying just a little bit from the rest of the sheep. And the wolf feels that that one is more vulnerable. And so he runs uh, in a very slinking and skulking manner. And when he gets to the, a place where there's a good advantage, he pounces upon that sheep and the rest of them scatter. Um, but the hireling doesn't run out to protect the sheep. Well, why doesn't he? Because he is, he, he doesn't own the sheep. He's more concerned about his own life. But the Lord, who is our good shepherd, he owns us. He owns, he owns the sheep. He knows those that he has called unto himself. Uh, they know his voice and he knows their voice and he is willing to protect them to the greatest extent. Uh, and so the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. Well, we know that whenever there is a problem, sometimes panic sets into the, uh, the pack, the, the fold. Panic sets in. Perhaps you've seen some of the various movies on television of 
uh, kind of dramatic situations where there's some panic and it seems like people just kind of go every which, which way. Uh, there's no, no particular organization to their escape. They just run. And sometimes in the process of running, others get injured and um, a panic is not a good thing because it puts all, everybody in jeopardy. And so these, these sheep, remember what sheep are. Sheep are kind of dumb, stupid little animals that need protecting and herding and, uh, and a lot of care. Um, and uh, they're not getting it from the hireling because the hireling has, has run away by now. Um, so in verse 13, the hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. He careth not for the sheep. So this is really just a saying that that's the nature of the hireling. Nature of the hireling is he's not going to put his own life in jeopardy for something that he does not own. But the good shepherd is. The good shepherd is going to put his life in jeopardy. And Jesus is that, that good shepherd of the sheep. By parable we find that Christ is everything that a shepherd could possibly be that the sheep could want and that he is willing to care for them and protect them. He is willing to be the doorway of their salvation. He is willing to be um, the entry point and exit point of their lives. That is, there is some reciprocal relationship going on here. Uh, not only do the sheep find entry, but the sheep can go out and in and find the blessing that they're looking for and protecting, protecting grace that they need. Um, and all these blessings God gives through our loving Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 14, again, this uh, statement comes up as it did in verse 11. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known of mine. So as in verse 11, he says he giveth his life for the sheep. In verse 14, he says, I know my sheep and am known of mine. So here's that sense of the reciprocal nature of it. Jesus knows the sheep and the sheep know him. Um, the hireling is not that way. The hireling does not know his sheep because they're not his sheep. Um, and here the idea is that uh, the shepherd was so intimate with his sheep that he named his sheep. He had a he had so many, maybe he had fifty sheep, right? Uh, we'll say he had fifty sheep, and uh, but he knew all fifty sheep. He knew them. You know, pastors know their sheep too. They they get to know their sheep after a while. I know in every church I've been in, I can think back in every church that I've been in, and I can remember the sheep, the names of the sheep. I remember the ones that were there. June and Ernie Shackford. I, rem I remember them. <laughs> and of course I remember a lot of other people there too, not just June and Ernie, but Allison and Les Robinson, you know, they were sheep that was for a time in the fold that I was, I was um, shepherding. And Bert and Edna Swain down in Sebago Lake and 
they were a lovely sheep. They used to come to the house and we'd have meals together and do things together. Connie and Marshall Spring, they were sheep that we knew. We just loved them and they had us over to their house and we went there for Bible studies and had all kinds of different kinds of fellowships with them. Um, and so there's been these sheep all the way along in, in, our, in our ministries that we have known. And, uh, and we, knew them, we knew them all by name. We knew them all by name. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, how that parable fits into some of these big megachurches. Do they, do they know their people as intimately as small local assemblies do? I tend to think not. Of course, sometimes the bigger churches, they break them up into small cell groups, and they'll have small Bible studies and different kinds of things like that going on. And that's, of course, always good because they get to know people in a more intimate way. But the bigger the, bigger the sheep, the bigger the fold, the harder it is to get to know them. Um, but uh, here we find the, the parable of Jesus and the shepherd that he not only knew his sheep, but they knew him. Now see, that's important too, isn't it? It wasn't that I just knew the sheep, but they knew me as well. And uh, from that standpoint, I think it's, it's wonderful that we are able to pastor small churches. That we can get to know people and they can get to know us. And so we can have this reciprocal relationship one with the other. And so um, I believe it's in the pastoral epistles that it says that a, that a pastor must uh, be a pastor who is able to be hospitable, uh, to try to uh, have fellowship on, a, on a, uh, another relationship rather than just behind the pulpit, a more, a more closer relationship. And so in our smaller churches, we try to have social Gatherings that we can have fellowship times and little barbecues or little times of, of recreation or times of, or in our little Bible studies we can, we can sit down together at a table and share the kinds of experiences that we have one with the other and just all of these kinds of things and, and uh, in order to have a close intimate relationship sometimes you have to expose yourself a little bit. You know, you can't just be that person who's behind the pulpit. You have to come outside from that relationship and become a little bit more personal with people. Tell them a little bit about yourself and, and how you came to know the Lord and why you're in the ministry and, and how it is that you came to, to serve the Lord in the way that you do. and Just all kinds of things that can relate to a more personal nature. And uh, Jesus becomes so close to us as we draw closer to him. What is it James says? Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. I see that's the kind of intimacy that we develop with our Savior is that we draw nigh to him and he draws nigh to us. Uh, he's waiting for us to get closer to him that we might have closer, more intimate fellowship with him. Well, the shepherd knew the sheep uh, all by name. He knew them by name. And uh, he was able to have this close relationship with his sheep. And so in verse 14, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and am known of mine. In verse 15, as the Father knoweth me, 
even so know I the Father. Well, as we see that there is this, this relationship between the Godhead, between the Father and the Son. Why? Because God the Father uh, sent forth His Son, born of a virgin, and He came into the world, the, the incarnate of God, conceived of the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary and born into this world that he might fulfill the Father's will. The intimate nature of the Godhead is worked out within the divine revelation of God to man that man might know the true salvation provided by God. And so this divine relationship is one that, was, that Jesus was willing to do. He was willing to do that. This, this divine relationship. Now, of course, our relationship is on a different plane altogether. You might say it's mortal to immortal. But yet we have a divine spirit. We have the Holy Spirit within us. And that spirit uh, bears witness with the Spirit of God that we are the children of God. So there is a sense of divine intimacy and relationship that we have with God the Father through Jesus Christ. Because that spirit that we have been given, God the Holy Spirit, come, when we come to Christ in salvation, is able to communicate to God the Father through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which has been given. And, and so that is a divine relationship. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, Jesus says, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And so here it is, Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. He is the door, He is the good shepherd above all shepherds, and He is the one who lays down His life for the sheep. And so it transcends the mortal, temporal picture of sheep and shepherd, and it goes to a divine picture of Christ and the church. Christ and the true shepherd of the sheep. And we should be so thankful that Jesus is willing to become so close to us as he is. That we can communicate with him and have this close, intimate relationship with him. All because he is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. Unlike the hireling who runs away. Unlike the hireling that doesn't know, doesn't own the sheep. He doesn't even own them. And not only doesn't he own them, he doesn't know the sheep. And the sheep doesn't know, do not know him. But Jesus is not that kind of a shepherd. No, he is the good shepherd. He knows, he knows the sheep, and the sheep know him. And he, he is willing to lay down his life. In fact, God the Father sent him to do so. He sent him to do so. <clears throat> As the Father knoweth me, even so... No, I the Father, and I'll lay down my life for the sheep. And oh, this is, this is the good part, isn't it? Huh? This is where we come in. Uh, right here in verse 16. And other sheep I have that are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And so, the idea of the good shepherd of the sheep transcends all natural boundaries to say this that Christ came to be the shepherd of the sheep. Not just his own people, but even those who were not his own. 
those who were not his own. Jew and Gentile alike would become, would have the opportunity of becoming known as the sheep that belong to the Lord. In Romans 1.16, what does it say? The power of God and the salvation to all who believe, to Jew and Gentile alike. And so we find that God, uh, through his only begotten Son, would provide such a door of salvation, such a good shepherd which would transcend all natural boundaries, that Jesus would come and lay down his life for the sheep, and not just for his own sheep, for the sheep that he came to uh, in Jerusalem, in, among his own people, among that nation which was called of God, but that he would say, other sheep, other sheep, I have that are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. And so here the, the uh, parable expands greatly to the world. That God sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should have eternal life. Whosoever. Whosoever will may come. And so we, we often sing that hymn in our hymnal. Whosoever will may come. And so the, for Christ came to die for the sins of the world. Now the shepherd and the sheep and, and this parable of salvation and of sacrifice unto eternal life extends now to the world. But there is a catch. The sheep must know the shepherd. The sheep must know the shepherd. And they can only have this relationship as they, are might, as they are willing to come under the shepherding authority of the shepherd. They must yield themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. And so here he not only goes into the whole idea of not just Israel, but the whole world. Now he goes in to say this. There is, there is going to be a, a resurrection. This is, the, this is the, a, a take on the resurrection of Christ right here. He says, I'll lay down my life that I might take it again. And, of course, it, again, it expands the, the whole concept of, of a Savior and of a shepherd. One who saves, one who is the doorway to life eternal. One who cares enough for the sheep that he's willing to die for the sheep. And not just die for the sheep, but to rise again. To show that he has victory over sin and over death. That he can truly save the sheep. You see... And so this, this um, idea of resurrection and victory is, is uh, now being spoken of. He said, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Um, Jesus is, is not only one who has died a 
sacrificial death for us, but a substitutionary death. He has, he has died a kind of a death that is, that is on our behalf. And that he laid it down willingly for us. It's a vicarious sacrifice. A vicarious sacrifice. A substitutionary sacrifice. A vicarious sacrifice on our behalf. He says, I have power to lay it down. He's speaking of his own power. His own sovereign ability. Which transcends all natural view of a shepherd and a sacrifice. He says, I, I have power to lay it down. To die for the sins of the world. And I have power to take it again. Resurrection. I have power to do that. It, it, it was within the Son of God to be able to die for the sins of the world and to rise again upon the third day. This commandment I have received of my Father. And of course, that was the very um, thing that was, was behind everything that Jesus did. He came to fulfill the will of the Father, and he spoke of this in many ways. He drinking that cup that no other man could drink, the cup of redemption, the cup of sacrifice, the cup of atonement, the cup of, of true communion with God the Father to fulfill the will of the Father. And even as we often partake of the cup at communion, we remember the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We remember the sacrifice of our Savior in His shedding His own precious blood upon the cross. The incarnate Son of God willingly shed His blood for us, His life's blood, that it might be the full atonement for sin, that it might be a substitutionary sacrifice and a, a vicarious sacrifice for us, an atonement forever. Once and for all, as the book of Hebrews tells us, Christ came to offer himself. How wonderful that we now have one fold and one shepherd in Christ, and that Christ is gathering together all those who would be a part of that fold, that he might be the doorway of salvation as well as the entry and exit point of those blessings and benefits and graces and mercies which he alone can dispense unto the fold. Because he knows the sheep that are his, and the sheep know him. And God does that just as divinely as he does do it mortally. Mortally because each of us must come in this life by faith unto the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Immortally because Christ alone possesses the gates of immortal life. Onefold and one shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word to us today and pray you will encourage each one of us in our walk of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in Christ. 
that we may continue to find that Christ is all in all to us. The door, the good shepherd, the one who has given his life for the sheep because he owns them, that he knows them and they know him, that he has become that Savior that God the Father has provided for us. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.